Welcome back to Coaching Kernan. I'm your co-host, Dave D'Agostino. I'm here with America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. And we are on amazing right now. We're on recording number nine, episode nine here. And it's our version of Real Voices of the Game. We're joined also today by a member of our normal resident experts panel. We refer to him as Bull. He's in the Coaching Kernan Witness Protection Program. 45 years in Major League Baseball as a scout, as a coach, and as a player. Welcome back, guys. It's June 20th, 2022, and we're excited to have a special guest today on. Yeah, I can't wait. This is going to be a great one. And, uh, you know, we're very lucky with the guests we get because um, all of our combined experience in the game, we know the right people and the people who really make the game special. And one thing I will say real quickly is that we bring on people who really have a love for other people. And this is a, this is, this shows through in their uh, comments. And, and that's what we're trying to get across to the players and uh, the people who listen to this podcast. Yeah, very well said. Uh, and you're right. Our guests certainly make the show. And we thank you for uh, being so kind and true to the people you've met throughout the years to really help smoothly transition your career, 47 years with the New York Post, now on Ball 9 transitioning a lot of those relationships over uh, to our show. So we thank you for that as well. So first, uh, now that we're on thank yous, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, One-on-One. Their uh, tag phrase is One-on-One, your shot on your terms. They are a designed recruiting system to help families become the first educator in the recruiting process. To date, 25 months, they've approached 550 families that they've helped obtain scholarships in men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and softball. One-on-One, thank you for sponsoring our podcast here. Make sure you visit them on Twitter, one on one your shot on one, or Instagram, one on one your shot in your terms. Follow them as well. Just like this. And now to our guests, thirty years in the Dodger system, uh, coined the phrase Dodger Blue. Um, it's become just as popular as Yankee pinstripes. Uh, brought autumn glory back, brought autumn glory and hope back to Dodger Stadium. He's touched millions of lives as one of the most successful front office leaders in the history of baseball. And now, if it's even possible, he's having an even greater impact in the game of life uh, with the City of Hope. I want to welcome 1988 Dodger World Championship, World Champion, I should say, and, and I hope it's okay to say Fred, uh, cancer survivor, Fred Clare, as our next guest on Real Voices of the Game. Fred, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction, and great to be with the three of you, and looking forward to the show. Yeah, uh, and... And I'll, uh, as, as Kevin designed, I'll, I'll pose the first question to you. And this, this came from our conversation that we had, a wonderful conversation offline here. We talked a lot about scouting reports. I mean, you, up to the point where you were in charge of the Dodger front office, you had never really constructed a roster, but you hit me with something profound with, uh, with scouting reports. T- tell me what you think is the most underrated part of scouting reports. Well, um, first of all, there is uh, the, the key ingredients in baseball to any success begins with scouting and player development. So I, I could not be more of a proponent of the importance of those uh, two areas. The, um, when you look at the scouting report, this probably will surprise many, but well, Bull, you really have been in the game a long time. For me, the most underrated part of a 
scouting report. Come, you can put it under the heading of C or MU, the term standing for character makeup. There is nothing more important than knowing the athlete, the player, his makeup, his character, because ultimately that will determine his and your success. That's a great point, uh, Fred, and I think that gets lost a little bit today. And I'm going to get right to it because I was there in 88. I was there when Gibson hit the home run. I was there when Sosha hit the home run against the Mets in the playoff game. I, I, I always like to just touch base of what you're, you know, when that happened, when that moment happened with, with Sosha, I remember how quiet it was over at Shea Stadium. And then, of course, Kirk Gibson's uh, home run was so special. Just give us a couple uh, reflections on those uh, two special home runs and two magical wins. Well, they were um, they featured uh, two exceptional people. Uh, Mike Sosha, I'll never forget when um, it was a video presentation on Mike on our uh, board at Dodger Stadium. And it showed him as a catcher, probably at the age of seven or eight. And I looked at Mike in that picture and I thought, yes, he was born to catch. Mike uh, was the ultimate team player. And I'll never forget times with a, when a young pitcher might be struggling early in the game. I think of Ramon Martinez in his early years. And Mike would go out in the mound and handle him in such a way that he would go on and pitch a good game. And I would go down to see Mike after a game like that. And he would say, Fred, uh, it's not about me. It was Ramon. The ultimate team player, and it showed in his wonderful success as a manager. So Mike, um, uh, to, uh, in that important moment to contribute such an important home run, and in many ways, of course, an unlikely home run, is a reflection of who he was and who he is. Uh, I can tell you stories, uh, I could do a book on Mike and the character. Uh, Kirk um, obviously was the um, the momentum in '88, and when we talk about character and makeup and determination and team and uniting a team. That's what Kirk had the ability to do, and so his home run. The first game, the 1988 World Series, again was a reflection. He, he was ready for the moment. Great athletes are ready for the moment. We yes. saw that in the NBA playoffs which was the wonderful Steph Curry. Those are, those are the people who are and who show they are as players and after their careers, and we've seen it with Kirk and Sosh, they're leaders. 
I th- that's so well said. And, 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 and along those veins, too, I want to people forget, you know, you came kind of out of nowhere, but people in baseball knew you were with the Dodgers all those previous years. You, you started off as a uh, newspaper reporter, which I love, of course, and because uh, I think newspaper reporters, certain guys know, know best sometimes and, and you moved along. But I want to take even further back to an um, unbelievable moment uh, in the history of baseball. Rick Monday, when uh, when the uh, the protest was going on and they were going to light the the uh, flag on fl- uh, fire, and uh, you, I think you were in a press box then. Can you just uh, talk about that a little bit and what what uh, what your contribution was? Because the message that appeared on the uh, the message board uh, that day kind of uh, solidified that moment into our nation nation's history. Thank you for bringing up that moment. Because in many ways, in many, many ways, then and today, it was the most important moment in the history of the Dodgers and Dodger Stadium. The year, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, was 1976. And I had gotten to know Rick. I had made a trip to Japan with a group of major league players. Uh, probably a year or two before 76, commissioner's office asked me to take a group of players, some wonderful people, including uh, the wonderful uh, Don Baylor, who became a dear friend, and others. Uh, so I got to know Rick on that, uh, uh, during that trip. And we spoke, as I recall, even before that Sunday game. But what happened on this Sunday game is that two people, turned out to be a father and son, uh, jumped, came over the wall, as I recall, and certainly into the left field area at Dodger Stadium and began to unfold something. It looked like initially a, a blanket, a clothing, a, some, a tarp, something. And as they unfolded it and you could see it was the American flag. And then they began to pour something onto the flag. Rick Mundy was not in left field. Rick Mundy was playing center field. And he ran from center field and grabbed that flag. And as, he, uh, as they were about to strike a match to burn the American flag, and that picture was captured by a dear friend and member with us, Jim Lort. One of the most memorable pictures in baseball and indeed in American history. I was in the press box. I guess at that time I was um, VP public relations or whatever. But I oversaw what was on the message board, the old message board, where words went up letter by letter, word by word. And I turned to Jeff Fellinser, now an accomplished professor at USC. And I said, Jeff, type these words. Rick Mendy, dot, dot, dot. You made a great play. That's great. Without anything being said, without any sound uh, being said over the speaker system, uh, blurring anything out, without any prompting, the crowd began to rise and sing 
God bless America. What a moment. My phone rang. And it was Walter Francis O'Malley in his box. And he said to me, Fred, that will go down as one of the great moments, if not the greatest, in the history of Dodger Stadium. Boy, he nailed it. He nailed it. That's, that's a uh, great, uh, yeah, that's, we, we that's, need a little more of that nowadays. Yes. Incredible. I've got, I've, got a, I've got a question here for you, Fred, as well. You, you talk a lot about relationships and character, and you know, we just went through a couple of great moments in Dodger, Dodger history. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what made Tommy Lasorda so special, not just to you, but to the Dodger family. What made him a great manager? I think the, um, the key for Tommy was his um, absolute passion for the game. His, uh, from, from a young boy, as he said, the third pitcher on Norristown High School, his absolute love and passion for the game and a way of connecting with the players. And, and not only the players, but so important, the players, their wives, their families, that was the key for Tommy. And uh, like all of us, he had his pluses and minuses, but the overwhelming part of Tommy was his love and his dedication to the game and to the Dodger organization. And uh, he understood the Dodger organization. And why? Because the very foundation of the Dodger organization, Tom spent literally all of his career at the minor league level as a very successful pitcher, particularly at Montreal as a triple-A team. He understood scouting, where he got his start, where Al Campanis gave Tom his start in baseball. He carried that through his life. His passion never diminished, and his dedication to the Dodgers never ebbed in any way. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, I, want to, I want to follow up there as well, uh, Fred, because you touched on it earlier, and I want to bring Bull into the conversation because this is what he does for a living. But, uh, you know, we go back we go back to that great uh, home run by Gibson, and it comes back to a uh, scouting report, right? Uh, what, what are your memories of Mel Didier and the things that he did for the, uh, for the Dodgers? And, of course, his great call on Eckersley being a 3-2 slider, backdoor slider, look for it. So, uh, you know, it's not just the players on the field getting the job done. It's a whole organization. And, and your scout really came up big in that game. Well, the keys um, to that home run belong in the hands, not just of one, one in particular, but really of four memorable, unforgettable people for me. Uh, I, one of the things I really relied on and 
tried to develop as best I could was our professional scouting staff. And when it came time when we saw that we were going to be in postseason play, I sent Mel Didier, the wonderful late Steve Boros, the wonderful late Jerry Stevenson, and my dear friend with the Mets today, Phil Regan, to scout um, the uh, first the National League and then uh, possible points in the American League. And Mel Didier, bless his heart, and I remain in constant touch today with his wife, Elena, uh, gave the report that um, if Eckersley goes 3-2 on left-handed hitter, partner, look for that backdoor slider. Some people dispute that. The players who were in that clubhouse when Mel gave his report <laughs> don't dispute it at all because that's exactly what he said. That's exactly what uh, Kirk had in his mind, and that's exactly what helped to produce one of the most memorable home runs in baseball history. Part of that belongs to a scout, not a computer, to a scout. Absolutely. Wow. Bull, uh, had- yeah, I, I, I guess I'll weigh in just briefly. And uh, first of all, you know, got goosebumps from the very beginning when you talked about character, Fred, when you talked about uh, the Rick Mundy incident. Uh, and then you talked about, you know, relationships. I think there's a reason we all love the game, and it's the people that become our family. We live with them day in and day out as players and coaches and scouts. And um, it's, it's missed in the game. And there are things in advance reports and being a fan of the game and being in scouting for so many years, I know things that have helped teams win World Series. And not a whole lot of times do people get credit for it. And all those scouts that you mentioned – I looked up to, and every chance I had, I always picked their brains and um, learned so much from them. Uh, but uh, thank you for sharing all that with us. Well, the uh, the connections, I um, I received a wonderful text yesterday when you talk about relationships and people. I got a text that I'll share Yesterday, it was sent at 1.16, I guess, Eastern Time. By 11.36 a.m., my answer came later. Happy Blessed Father's Day, Fred. I'm thankful for you and most grateful for our friendship, John Shelby. Oh, wow. When we talk about the importance of a scout and things that get overlooked, when I took over in 1987, uh, a team that had finished 16 games under 500 in 1986, as it turned out, we had to finish 16 games under in 87. The one of the areas where we had a glaring, glaring weakness was in center field. We had brought up to start that 87 season 
uh, a young man from Double A. I won't mention his name, but I'll never forget shortly after I took over on a road trip to Montreal, there was a ball hit to center field. And the young center fielder misplayed it badly. And when the reporters went to him after the game, they asked him about that play. And he said, and I'll never forget when I saw it in the LA Times, man, you expect me to catch everything? And when I read that quote, I thought, yeah, yeah, we do. You're a major league center fielder. And so I went on the hunt immediately because I had seen you had a glaring problem. And I sent Mel Bidier. There had been a player that I had seen in spring training. I'll never forget. I was sitting with Lou Johnson, the great Dodger, in spring training game and playing the Orioles. And this player came up and he said to me, Fred, he said, this young man, he grew up in Kentucky and I knew him as a young man, baseball and basketball player. He said, he's got a lot of talent, Fred. His name is John Shelby. And so um, when we went looking at the beginning of uh, 87 for center fielder, John Shelby, as my friend Casey would say, you could look it up, had been sent by Baltimore to AAA. And I sent Mel into Baltimore, or into Rochester, New York, into Rochester, specifically to see John Shelby. Now, it's colder than hell, as you know, in Rochester that time of the year. I'll never forget, Mel calls me. He said, Fred, I'm going to tell you something. It's freezing. John Shelby is the first guy on the field. He's just been sent down by the Orioles. He said, Fred, he runs everything out like it's the World Series. So I made a trade. I was at the Grand Hyatt in New York. Kevin, which you know well. Yep. And um, with Baltimore, and um, made the trade. We're now in New York. We had been in Atlanta. We're now in New York. And the trade was made, Tom Ludenfuehr, uh, for uh, John Shelby and Brad Havens. Now, I called John and said, John, we just made a trade, and I need you to, to report immediately and even be here tonight. He said, Fred, he said, Mr. Clary said, uh, I'm in Rochester. It'll take me three days. I've got a, a young son and uh, another young child. It'll take me three days to get to Albuquerque. I said, John, you're not going to Albuquerque. You're going to start in center field with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I swear, guys, it seemed like there was a minute or two. And he said to me, Mr. Clare, I've waited all my life to hear those words. Wow. That's wow. Sorry. You can look it up, Kevin. You can look it up. Fred, uh, I, I'd love to weigh in on that because I signed with John Shelby. Oh, my. <laughs> I got a text from him yesterday wishing me a happy Friday. What a small world. That, that's who he is. Yeah. Uh, 
he he is one of the best teammates I ever had. Um, I love him like a brother, <laughs> and what a what, what a man, father, baseball player, center fielder, and I was a pitcher. He caught a lot of gappers for me over the years. Well, my, my reply to John, I'll share with you. I know John wouldn't mind. John, a happy Father's Day to you and your wonderful family. Cheryl and I love you and your family, Fred and Cheryl, because that boy, that young son who was two, yeah. I didn't think he could report, came to my office in Pasadena a year or so ago to visit for me to ask about career guidance. That That's, see, when we talk about the memories, at, at my age and stage, I now see full view of what's important in our learning and in life. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, we actually had a lot of synergy. I played, uh, so I grew up in New Jersey and played summer ball with Oral Hershiser and pitched against Oral all through high school, and we were summer teammates in a men's league before he went on the Bowling Green. So uh, baseball is a small, small, small world. That's why I love being at the ballpark every day. And that's what I love about it because the, the memories, the friendships, the, um, as, as one who grew up in a small town in Ohio and saw his first major league game at Crosley Field and knew at that moment somehow, some way, I wanted to be in the game. Exactly. I wanted to yes. ask you, you, you brought up, Fred, you brought up one of my favorite people. A few years ago with the Post, I spent uh, a day or a, a good conversation with Phil Regan about um, about him. I mean, he, he first of all, Phil Regan has been at so many monumental baseball happenings, you know, <laughs> through the years. He can still, and he's, he, he still plays golf. He shoots, uh, he shoots under his age. Uh, I know there's so many people you could tell stories about and, and, and life's reflections, but I think that's one of Fred Clare's great, uh, you, and I think our, our listeners are hearing it. What makes you special is that you, you dig a little deeper on the people, and that's how you put together a team that wins the championship. But Phil Regan was the kind of guy that, um, you know, he's just fun to be around, and uh, he's really one of life's most unique people. Just, just well, I, I love Phil. We, we probably talk a minimum of once a month, if not uh, once every two weeks. I've stayed in very, very close touch with Phil through the years. He's one of the um, greatest people that I've had the honor to meet in the game. And when you and Phil, uh, his uh, his strength is who he is as a person. He was one of the best uh, scouts when it came to pitching that I have ever known or heard of. And when I think of Phil, I think of a story when you talk about a coach getting to a, a player. Phil told me the story that when he was with Seattle. He had one player that he couldn't get through to in trying to help him. So one day, he wrote down, without any name, he wrote down the, uh, the stats, games, any pitch, hits, strikeouts, walks, etc. 
for about a four-year period. And he took this picture and said, uh, what do you think of these stats? And the picture looked at him, looked at the stats, and he said, they're horseshit. And Phil said, they're your stats. He was looking at his own statistics without the name there. <laughs> Phil knew how. He, he, Phil is, again, one of those people with an absolute passion for the game. So many times I would uh, send him to the Dominican to manage. Uh, so many times to Venezuela. Uh, there, there, in my Dodger days, a week never went by where I didn't talk to Phil. When I came to New York or wherever I was, uh, I would have Phil at my side. There, there is not a finer person. There's not a more experienced person. There's not a finer person in the game today than Phil Regan. Well said. That's a bold. That's a great statement. Amen, Fred. You. You've touched so many lives in baseball. Um, I mean, that's evident from the research we did for the the show today, and just your stories. You're, you're always giving credit to others, um, and, and that just is a testament to who you are as a leader. I want you to talk a little bit about your um, your time away from baseball. Now you have a new uh, a new game that you're, you're fighting for right now, in, in the city of Hope, the, the impact you've made on that particular hospital and its impact on you. Um, could you talk a little bit about that for us? Well, I, um, uh, I was, um, uh, my cancer journey started, and this is important for people in the game, and Will, you know this, Kevin, you know it also. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the sun, and um, in about 2015, I had a little spot on my lip. It was barely noticeable. Uh, but I went in to see my uh, friendly dermatologist, being fair skin, having been in the sun. And almost always, she would freeze off a spot or two, no problem, send me on my way. But on this particular day, she took, looked at my lip and said, we better take a biopsy. And she did, and came back, and I never remember, forget the call. She said, Fred, this is one that isn't to be frozen. She said, you need to see a nose doctor, nose procedure doctor. She said, it's a squamous cell carcinoma. It's small, but it's there. So I had a nose procedure in 2015. Unfortunately, the very renowned nose doctor didn't get the margins of that very small spot it went from my lip up my jawbone, and uh, in 2016, uh, the cancer had moved, causing great pain, had moved up my jawbone, headed north, and uh, that was my introduction to City of Hope, uh, where they uh, performed an operation to uh, remove the tumor from my jawbone, and uh, the journey continued. I saw the great work that City of Hope was doing. And once I saw it, I wanted to help, and uh, I uh, decided on having, because I felt that I could gather some people, a celebrity golf tournament to raise money for City Hope in 2017. My wonderful wife, Cheryl, said, Fred, you got to be the only person here at City Hope with a 20% chance of survival who's going to plan a golf tournament. I said, well, that's what we're going to do, because we're, we're going to beat this. 
and we're going to help City of Hope. So we had an incredible golf tournament. Uh, as um, cancer has a way of uh, not wanting to let go, 2019, three years ago, almost to this date or time of the year, my jawbone was destroyed by uh, 33 radiation, seven chemos, and so three doctors uh, performed a surgery where they took the um, uh, fibula bone from my left leg and replaced my jawbone. So I know about City of Hope. And so my goal is to call attention. People, uh, Kevin, how many people do you know, and Will, how many people do you know who have been, having been in the sun, so many people in the baseball family who've been struck by skin cancer because of all those days, all those years, you've got to pay attention. You've got to see your dermatologist. You've got to use sunscreen, not just baseball people, all people. So that, that's been um, the, the most important point I can make is there's a book that's written with all proceeds to City of Hope that talks about City of Hope. Extra innings, Fred Clare's journey to City Hope, and finding the World Championship team. So I thank you for giving me the chance to um, to mention City Hope uh, because um, uh, I've dedicated my time to them, and they've given me the time to do that. That's awesome, Fred. Yeah, that's God that's bless you. that's great work. And 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 I got to ask you, Fred, because you know I've done this for a living, and you, you being a former reporter. When you listen to conversations, you, you think of something as that person is talking, because that's the key, listening. Uh, I want to ask you, Fred, where does your hope come from? Because you've been through so much in baseball and life. Uh, where, where, where does your hope come from? Um, I've always been, uh, my love for sports, I've always been a very competitive person. I... Um, I wasn't a great athlete, but I was usually on the basketball court or the baseball diamond before anybody and usually the last to leave. And I was just, you need in anything we face, be it cancer, life, you have to take on a competitive attitude, believing in yourself, believing in the faith or whatever you believe in to give yourself hope. So I, um, that, that's what uh, has driven me and continues to drive me uh, is a belief to, um, to continue to try to uh, do what I tried to do in Dodger days uh, and as many try to do, simply day by day to do the best I can. Well, that shows through in your, in your effort. We, we can't we can't let you go without you live in one of my favorite places in the world, Pasadena. Right. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about the restaurant scene out there. Is there anything that you uh, is there anything that you want to let people know when they visit the area? That's a good spot to go to or not, because I know you. Those who know me <laughs> know there's a little diner <laughs> that I've introduced many people to. It's been there for 50 plus years. It suits Cheryl and I just fine. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you uh, the diner, and I'll tell you a little story behind it. Yep, go ahead. The, the diner is pie and burger. It's I've been, been there for 50 plus years, and I introduced 
Well, when we moved to Pasadena, he asked me about Pasadena, we moved to Pasadena. So he told me a story one spring that uh, the day before he was leaving for spring training, he went to breakfast at Pineburger, and then asked his two sons where they wanted to go to lunch. And they said pie and burger. They serve a great hamburger. And then asked his wife, where do you want to go to dinner? And she said, well, where do you want to go? Where do you have lunch? He said pie and burger. She said, um, well, uh, that's where he had breakfast. She allowed him to go there. So it all like he does, set a record. He had breakfast, lunch, and dinner there. So that's about the biggest compliment that I can give. That's uh, awesome. That says it all. And that's, uh, that's part of the enjoyment of the game as well, is finding those little places and I think you've, uh, I remember hearing about that from Plasky way back, Bill Plasky, the writer. I think you've had some I, I've, I've met, uh, I'll tell you, I've met Bill there. And at that time, he was doing a story on a forgotten Dodger, a pitcher by the name of Brian Houghton. Brian Houghton went to Baltimore uh, on a trade when I got Eddie Murray. And I'll never forget sitting there with Bill and he was telling me about Brian and how he had just disappeared. And I said, Bill, give him a call. I want to say hello to him. And I'll never forget the nice conversation I had with um, the somewhat forgotten but never should be Brian Holton. So, um, yeah, Bill is a dear friend. And Bill did the foreword for Extra Innings. So, um, yeah, wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah, great, great writer, too. I think uh, Dave is going to wrap us up here, but uh, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this, Fred. It's just um, it's what Fabulous. we're all about, and it's what you're about. Well, it's um, anytime I can promote the game and promote City of Hope, uh, I'm here to do that. Yeah, Fred, you were incredible, and, and I would encourage people to, to get the book, Extra Innings. Uh, you were kind enough to send me an a copy before the show, and I read it cover to cover. It came in the mail yesterday, and uh, my my uh, sons brought it to me. And they said, "Who's this from?" And I said, "It's from my new friend Fred." So I had to sat down and, and showed them a little bit about who you are and and uh, in the game of baseball. So I appreciate the book and your your time on the show today. Uh, to all those out there, please uh, look up the City of Hope. Learn as much about it as you can. Uh, Fred, great stories today. Uh, to our listeners and our audience, make sure that you. You follow us and listen to us on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Uh, download us, subscribe, follow, listen. Give us as many likes as you possibly can. Uh, again, our show is for you. Continue to email us at coachingkernan at protonmail.com. Uh, Fred, just so you know, we, we receive somewhere in the neighborhood of five to 600 emails post-show, and that drives the next show. So we're trying to Take your approach to to our podcast like you approach the game. Try to make it about other people. Uh, we appreciate you leading by example today, and your story certainly exuded that. And I want to thank you for coming on uh, the show. You were fantastic. My, my pleasure. Great to be with you. And uh, for all of you, reach out to me anytime I can be of help to any of you. Well, thank you. Thank Thanks you. again, Fred. Thank you. Very enjoyable. Thank you, Fred. Take good care. Take care. Hey guys, just real quick, that was